So my name is Rich, as BK said, and, and uh, I came in this morning and, and BK's son was over there and, and uh, he said, well, son, this is uh, Pastor Rich, he's going to be teaching this morning, and he kind of looks over at me and I said, I know, it's because I don't have a beard, you don't trust me, right? And, and, uh, and he just kind of goes, yeah, <laughs> baby face. I'm surprised Sean even asked me to teach, it's awesome, but... Um, but it's very nice to, to see you guys, meet many of you. Hope uh, I can meet you afterwards if we haven't had a chance to talk yet. But uh, yeah, I've known Sean for, for years now. We're both like Bob Hoekster groupies. We uh, just love that guy. He's this, uh, this teacher and author, just all about God's grace. So, so years ago when I was uh, an assistant pastor at Mile High Calvary, he was uh, obviously pastoring here. And uh, every time we get together, we were just, just talking about how good great how good God's grace is, and, and I always just geek out on that, and, and uh, you know, we, we've just built this friendship over the years, and, and just been blessed to be, uh, to have him in my life, and uh, so we get together on a regular basis, so our church and, and our group's always praying for you guys, and just the, the awesome ministry you have, just building God's kingdom worldwide, not just these four walls right here, but, you know, this church going out there into your community, and into your neighborhood, your schools, your, your workplaces, and, and just sharing God's grace and good news and the, and the gospel message with the, the lost world around us is, is just amazing. So we appreciate your prayers. The church is, uh, is going um, well. I mean, we've been meeting for a few months now, and, and uh, we just started a study through the book of Galatians, and, and uh, I'm actually not cheating and, and doing the same message this morning and this evening. My wife thought I was crazy because I'm also working full-time, and I'm like, that's not the message God gave me for, uh, for white flag here. So I'm like, oh, darn it, Lord. That would have been so convenient just to do the same message for both churches, but, uh, but no, he gave me a different one for you guys, and, and it's neat to hear what's going on down in Haiti, too, so Sean's texted me a couple times, and it took me a while to figure out what was going on, because he said, yep, Jesus and I are down here doing great, and uh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> Jesus says that I did a good job teaching today, and, and I'm like, what? Well, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you're like that close with the Lord, and then it uh, turns out there's some guy named Jesus with him. Okay. See, you probably all know Jesus and the ac- like the little accent over the J or something. I don't know. It didn't come through on the text. So, so it turns out Jesus and Sean are doing very well down in Haiti. And Jesus is with them too. So the two J's and yeah. Okay. I'm glad we got that figured out. But, but no, that's awesome. So, uh, well, we, we do appreciate your prayers. I want to I wanna pray too just because um, one thing God's been teaching me is just dependence on him. And he's taught us that our job is to do the praying, and then he does the work. So uh, I'm going to pray again. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for just these dear friends and uh, family that, uh, that, that you've given me the chance just to share this message that you've um, given me in, in, in Ephesians, Lord, and, and this letter that Paul wrote the church. I just pray that you'll have a word for us, too, this morning, that your Holy Spirit will just move uh, mightily, Lord, to, to transform our thinking, our hearts, our lives, Lord, so that we all walk out of here looking more like Jesus. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I'm going to be teaching from Ephesians 4, and then uh, specifically 17 through 24. And I want to start with this this dear story. It's very uh, close to my heart. It's about a family from the backwoods, you know, the sticks, way out there, country folks, my people, I usually have cut-off jean shorts and, and a tank top on on the weekends, but uh, dressed up for you guys today. 
But they were making their first visit to the city, the big city. And they checked into this grand hotel and stood in amazement at the impressive sight. And leaving the reception desk, they just checked in. They came to the elevator entrance. They'd never seen an elevator before and just stared at it, unable to figure out what it was for. And this old lady hobbled towards the elevator and went inside. The door closed. About a minute later, the door opened and out came this smoking hot young woman. Mouth hanging open, dad couldn't stop staring. Without turning his head, he just patted his son and said, Go get your mother. It takes a minute to let that one... Sorry if I offended anybody. But but in this morning's passage, we're going to be actually looking at uh, just something the Apostle Paul shared, um, just about an amazing transformation that could and should take place once we put our faith in Christ. Let me, uh, I think I raise it this way, right? I think I have a few inches on Pastor Sean. Actually, I might just bring it up here if that's okay. That's nice. All right. So the amazing transformation that can and should take place once we put our faith in Christ and once we've been forgiven of our sins. And when you think about it, the transformation that occurs when somebody decides to follow Christ, it's absolutely amazing. There's a far greater change that takes place when we put our faith in Christ than what takes place when we die. When we become Christians, we trade a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. We're given a transformed mind. Jesus himself comes to live in us and then through us. We're free from the bondage of sin and the power that Satan has over us. And when we die, we're really just getting a new body. I might get some hair, finally lose this gut. But compared to the transformation when we first knew Jesus, This change often gets left off of the gospel brochure, doesn't it? We share the good news by telling others that Jesus died for our sins, which is good. But it wasn't just to save us from hell. It was to give us an abundant life in him, free from the bondage of sin. No longer performance-based. I was just having that conversation with BK this morning about just the the roots that we had, both in... in, uh, Anglican, and, and I grew up like in a Catholic home. I mean, that, that's what it was. It was just this performance-based life that we were living on under the law. But it's actually under grace once we're saved, trading in the old covenant for the new. So our life as Christians should look radically different from how it did before. And this is the new man we should be promising and demonstrating to the world that we're going to read about here this morning. So if you're living in the Spirit, not in the flesh, People are going to notice. I just got back from a trip, uh, a business trip to Orlando. And uh, man, there's just something about airports that just bring out the worst in me. Has anybody ever been to LaGuardia? Ooh. I used to have to go to LaGuardia like every month for work. And and, uh, I just kept on expecting to look over and see somebody with like a chicken coop on their lap. Like it was, (laughs) it's a rough airport. But every time I travel... I I really have to make the choice. Am I going to live in the flesh or am I going to live in the spirit? I've traveled with my family quite a bit over the years and and I go from this 
just encouraging godly man when, we, uh, when we're at home. And then the rushing, the whining, the, the crying, the diaper changes, the insanity. And that's just when I'm traveling with my mother-in-law. Um, so people in this world, my kids are out of diapers now, so um, that's messed up. So people in this world can either be public enemy number one, or they can be an awesome opportunity to share Christ's love. And unfortunately, I've just been in the flesh way too many times uh, when traveling and even traveling down I-25 when driving that not only do I view people the, uh, the, around me as an irritant, but I become one as well. And am I the only one here? Or Okay, yeah. Well, you're in good company. I mean, Bose has made a, an entire like, industry of those noise-canceling headphones for, for airplanes for that very reason, right? But fortunately, we've been given a helper, capital H, we're given quite a few examples in the Word of people who are just as sinful and, and rotten as we are, but radically transformed by Christ. You remember Peter? He was this just uneducated fisherman denying Christ because of a, he, he was scared of a teenage girl who recognized him as one of Jesus' followers and then went boldly on to share the good news in a very public place and, and thousands of people came to, to faith in him and uh, were added to the church. Was he perfect? No, we're going to teach tonight in Galatians 2 that, that even Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, was still human and, and would still make mistakes and, and uh, still need to repent and, and uh, go on from there. But but uh, wow, what a, what a transformation took place in him. And then you think of Paul too. I mean, just the murderous Pharisee that uh, went on from just persecuting the church and, and uh, tearing families apart, but went on to, to plant this church in Ephesian, or Ephesus where we're, we're reading today, and then many others, and, and then basically writing half the Bible by the power of that helper, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, that same Paul is going to show us our natural self apart from God, is sinful, and it brings nothing but destruction. So I've titled this morning's message, The New You, because God wants to give you a makeover, a makeover that's going to turn heads. Let's call it uh, Extreme Makeover White Flag Edition. So Ephesians 4, earlier in Ephesians 4, in verse 1, Paul urged us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Walk in a manner worthy of the, the calling we've been called. And then in verse 2 and 3, he gives us instructions on how to do it. How to do it with a good attitude. In verse 4 through 6, he gets all Bono from U2 on us. He uh, in, you know, talks about one love, one blood, one life. You got to do what you should. He li- I think that's where Bono got the song from. Um, but actually, Paul gives us seven absolute truths about God and faith and life. It's such a wonderful, rich chapter of the Bible. He then talks about how Christ conquered sin and death and then distributes gifts to all of us to help grow the church and, and to grow together in Christ. And now he turns his attention to a new set of instructions, how to live a life worthy of the calling. So verse 17 now this I say, and forgive me, I'm reading from the ESV. So, um, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. No longer walk as the Gentiles do. So this is the book of Ephesians. Who is Paul writing to? Gentiles. 
It's a church in Ephesus, so they're a bunch of Gentiles. This would be like me telling you, don't live as Americans do. Or don't live like the people in your neighborhood. We read commands like this to not be like Gentiles and just think, okay, I just won't live like a Gentile. But understand how important this is. You have to stop being a product of your environment. You have to stop being like the people around you, like your coworkers, like your neighbors, like your old college buddies. Our world tells us that, hey, you be you. I hear that a lot moving to Denver. Or you have to be true to yourself. Mm. Makes a nice t-shirt. But God says not to do these things. Why? Because we should be... Well, why? Because I I hear a lot also that shouldn't we just listen to our hearts? Because they're not going to lead us astray, are they? (laughs) Listen to why God says we cannot be ourselves. So now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And then verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. So Paul gives us three descriptions of the Gentiles. And tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. First, they live in the futility of their minds. Second, they're darkened in their understanding. And then third, they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. So do you hear what God's telling you here? Your natural mind can't, guard, can't guide you. Your mind is darkened and teaches you the wrong things. It's not just you, it's me too, it's, it's all of us. Our ways, apart from God, are futile. Our minds are in a fog when it says darkened in our understanding and can't naturally understand the things of God. Our reasoning processes are broken and they're darkened without Jesus. When we moved to Denver uh, just a few months back, that was part of the gig. God told us we had to move here, which now makes sense to me. It's, it's awesome. But we moved into this cool like 70-year-old house. It was like built in 19... 19- 50, something like that. And it's a beautiful old house, but, but just like our bodies, when they turn 70, things start to get a little droopy, a little warped. And uh, I tell my, my daughters all the time, before you get that too, tattoo, remember that butterfly on your back's going to turn into a condor on, in your, you know, someday. So it's, um, you know, it, it happens. Gravity. We, we settle. And all the doors in our house, they're original. And they've got these original hinges and the original handles. So every time when one of us would shower, it's a three-bedroom, one-bath. So it's this tiny little bungalow. It's a great little house. But we get stuck in the bathroom every time we showered because the door was warped and would warp even more from the humidity and the heat. So we literally had to knock from the inside to let somebody, you know, to come over and let us out of the bathroom just to push the door open. And I finally realized if you just kind of like push down on the door while lifting up on the handle while pushing in towards the hinges, it'll, it'll open up. So I had to get like a whole training session for my ladies on how to, how to make that exit. But Paul says that our minds are just like that door. They're in the same condition. They're warped. And what has corrupted them? Sin has. We need to get our minds back in the right position. Right back to what? back to the standard of God's word. So my house 
It's, it's also in the DU neighborhood. So our, our church is over there. Our house is over there. And all around us are some of the most educated people in the world. Most, the most enlightened, as the, as the world would call them, right? They even have a Christian science church there because they're so smart. Turns out that Christian science isn't really Christian or science. So um, just a little side note there, we found out. But uh, it's because... Their minds are darkened. It's not really Christian because their minds are darkened. They're separated from the life that God gives. So they're separated from the light. They're hard-hearted. So they seem educated, but they're really ignorant. You pick the subject. The world, apart from God, is ignorant. God tells us not to value things that the world values. And this is why the world is so hostile towards the things of God, towards his word. God's word isn't wrong. We don't bend the word to fit our thinking like lots of churches in this area do too. Do too. So we've been investigating the other churches, the other groups that are around in Denver, around our neighborhood, and uh, came across the school of, uh, the Iliff School of Theology. You guys probably have seen that. It's right on the DU campus. And, and uh, I was looking into it and going, oh, what, what's this? And and right on their homepage, it says that they, they, were, they were proud to have an evolving theology. I'm sorry, but God and his word doesn't change. Our minds are warped. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't evolve your theology, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. So verses 19 through 21 here tell us there are three results of having a corrupt mind. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus so the first result of having a, a corrupt mind is that we become callous. We lose sensitivity to spiritual things. We stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is why so many more young people come to faith in Christ than people who are older in age, because we grow callous over time, thinking that we know everything, but we're believing lies as we grow older, growing less and less sensitive to spiritual things. And Christ followers can easily fall into this trap. If we fall out of fellowship with God, if we're not abiding in Christ for everything, we can easily grow callous to the things of God. We don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then we can easily fall into the second thing that Paul mentions here, um, the, the result of a corrupt mind. The ESV puts the second result of one so nicely. It calls it sensuality. It makes it sound like chocolates and roses and like a romantic time, doesn't it? Sensuality. Sorry for looking at you, Perry, when I said sensuality, but <laughs> I just figured you'd be the most safe bet to look at, you know. So, No! The Greek word for this means sinful, unbridled, excess, lust. So Paul's saying that sin like this actually comes from a corrupted mind. So if you're participating in anything related to lust, 
that you wouldn't want Jesus or your grandmother or your spouse knowing about? You know Jesus always knows, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. I want you to know that you are darkened in your thinking. How can you not know and be aware that Jesus is looking when you're sinning? But we forget because sin is the result of an ignorant, darkened mind. The third result of a corrupt mind, by following the ways of the world, it leads to impurity. We will desire impure things. And then those impure things won't be enough. They won't be enough to satisfy, so we'll go after more and more sinful practices. But that is not the way you learned Christ, Paul says. If your life doesn't look any different from the world, I'm going to suggest you don't know Christ. Notice it doesn't say that's not the way you learn to be a good Christian. This is about learning Christ. Getting to know him and allowing him to live through you. And then your life will be transformed by his, his teaching and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we learn Christ, Paul says that there's going to be proof in your life. So verses 22 through 24 here. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the first thing we do, verse 22, is we put off your old self. You'll put away your former way of life. And Paul says it's as if we're taking off dirty clothes, taking off that nasty, dirty Raiders jersey and letting the Broncos one just shine right through. I see that the Raiders guy isn't here this week. Was that Jesus or was that somebody else? Okay, someone else? Just making sure he's not watching from Haiti or something and <laughs> cursing me. But this reminds me of Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, where God in prophetic promise says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I'll remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So God takes out our old heart and gives us a new one. We take off our old self, the, the self-sufficient one. Our old self, before putting our faith in Christ, was doing things our own way, getting to heaven our own way, getting pleasure our own way. We need to take off that person. We need to get rid of that old image because our image now is from Christ, which is what we should be putting on. But before that, we've got verse 23. I always just have a tendency to skip verse 23. We go, take off that old self, put on the new self. But we forget there's a verse right in the middle there, verse 23. It gives us a very important command that we can easily brush by and miss. And we know this uh, passage in Ephesians as taking off the old man, putting on the new, but we'd be missing that, that crucial step. God isn't simply telling us to stop doing that and start doing this. Because remember, your mind is broken. It's corrupt. Our thinking is warped. So verse 23 tells us we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We can't miss this. Because if we're not renewed, we can't change. If our minds aren't renewed, we end up just looking good on the outside, which is hard for me to do 
in the first place. So I'd rather start from the inside out here. So we're rocking that Broncos jersey, but inside we're still like secretly rooting for the Raiders. That's like the best like analogy I could come up with. I'm sorry. So, and if you like the Raiders, I apologize. But sports aside, we'd be a hypocrite and we'd be a liar. Our minds require renewal. And who does the renewing? God does the renewing of our minds. So how do we let God do this? There are a couple ways, and you, you might not like them. Anytime someone comes to me and says, I just can't stop drinking, or I just can't stop looking at porn, the first thing you need to do is starve it. Get away from it. Don't flirt with it. Get a flip phone if, if your phone's the thing that's causing you to, well, it's not the thing that's causing it, but the way that you're looking at the porn. Move your computer out to the dining room for all to see. If you're married, this is a crucial step that I had to learn years into my marriage. Go to bed when your spouse goes to bed. Nothing good happens after midnight, people. So uh, go to bed when your spouse goes to bed. That's a great way to keep from sinning. Guys, don't scroll down to the interesting articles about Gronk's new girlfriend on foxnews.com. It's not going to be good for you. I promise. The second thing to do after starving it is crowd it. Crowd it with the things of God. Crowd your drive to work with praise music. Crowd your downtime with God's word. Crowd your time in between emails and phone calls during the day with little prayers. And then next time we sin, and yes, there will be a next time. The next time you lose your temper, the next time you screw up, and I know you guys probably know this because I think I learned this from Sean. We repent. Step one, we repent and agree with God that we were wrong, that we were doing it our own way in the flesh. And we accept God's forgiveness. And then two, we ask in humble dependence for the Holy Spirit to provide the life that we should have been walking in to give us a godly mind and a heart. And then we step forward in faith, three, that God has answered that prayer. So we take off the old self, we renew our minds, and then verse 24, we put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, verse 24. So only after we take off the old self, we renew our minds, can we put on the new self. Transformation happens from the inside out, but so often we reverse it, don't we? Don't put lipstick on the pig. Allow God to cut, and don't tell Sean I called you pigs next week. I don't want to get any emails here. But allow God to give you a total makeover. It's nothing that we can do. We need to allow God to do the work by His grace in us. Ephesians 3, the chapter before, verses 16 through 19 says, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So the Holy Spirit brings strength to the inner man. That's from the inside out right there. God builds our life and character and heals us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is always in every circumstance working to help us know the real love that Jesus has for us. 
So wrapping it up, knowing Jesus is really what it's all about. If we know Jesus, we can apply this pattern that we learned today in all sorts of situations. Look later in, verse, in chapter 4, verses 28 through 29 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So it's, it's taking off that old self, no longer stealing, stealing from your company, from your government, from the people in your life, renewing your mind in Christ, and then putting on the new self, doing something honest with your hands, doing honest work, sharing with those in need. And then verse 29, it's another way you could apply that pattern. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. So take off your old self, renew your mind so that you can put on your new self. And it says, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That's the new self. If you learn Christ, then this stuff will happen. And if it's not happening in your life, I want to suggest that you get to know Jesus a lot better. Because if you don't know how, come talk to me or one of the elders after the service. We'll make sure that someone meets with you and disciples you. Get involved in an anchor group. You're going to hear it there. You're going to learn how to take off that old self, renew your mind, and, and put on the new self. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, Ephesians 4.1. We allow God to give us this makeover. Why? So that the world will know Christ. Because without Christ, they're dead in their thinking, dead in their sins, and dead for eternity. So what are you waiting for? Start letting Christ do a work in you and through you, and then get out there. We're out of excuses, and it is as easy as one, two, and three. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you again for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your Son, the only one to ever come to this earth and live that perfect, sinless life. We praise you for your love of sending him to come and die for our sins, Lord, and then to give us his righteousness. It's such an amazing gift, Lord. Thank you that you look at us and see Christ's righteousness, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit so that once we put our faith in Christ, we have the power to live the holy life that you want us to, one that brings you glory, one that tells this world about your great love, your truth, and your plan, your new covenant, Lord. We just praise you for, for not just leaving us alone, for giving us your word, for giving us a helper that can help us to live this life, Lord. I just pray right now that you'll just reveal anything to us in our hearts that is that old self that we keep going back to, that, that way that we're living that's not pleasing to you, that's not glorifying to you. Just reveal to our hearts right now, Lord, through the power of your spirit. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to renew it in your word through prayer, just through getting to know you, Jesus. Renew our minds, fill our minds with good things, good things that are honoring you, the truth that comes only from your word. And then, Lord, I pray that we can just go out to this world and put on that new self, one that's going to just let this world see you, Jesus, one that's going to draw them to you through that love, through that, that forgiveness, through that mercy, through that grace, Lord, that they're only going to see through you. So we just pray for this just empowering work, Lord. And we just trust that you're going to do that. 
in our lives, Lord, because we know that that's your will, that none in this world shall perish, but that all will find everlasting life in you. We love you, Lord. We praise you and continue to worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.